The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from Pitchless.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today, we're going to talk about the Philadelphia Phillies as I go through my series of covering all 30 teams in the major leagues and their starting rotations. And the Philadelphia Phillies, well, guess what, guys? It is Nola Day today. He went 11 and 13 last year, 205 innings pitched, 325 ERA, 0.96 whip, and a 29% strikeout rate with a 3.6% walk rate. The biggest deal entering the season was, of course, a 463 ERA he had in 2021. And Aaron Nola, well, he did fix that a lot. The major thing were the home runs. And I would really just say that the curveball was everything in this one. He lowered the pitch dramatically. Its low location dropped about uh, or increased about 10 points. And while doing that, increases ground ball rate dramatically, reduced the home runs from 10 to 4, Got had a lower zone rate and a much higher O swing and had the same 73% strike rate on it. In general, it's just, hey, you throw lower curveballs, you do better, you allow fewer home runs, and you're just a better pitcher. You actually didn't even throw as many changeups, didn't need to do it. So the, the negatives that were coming with the changeup were kind of removed for Aaron Nola. Entering this year, I think he's kind of underrated. I know there is a little bit of volatility. He had 11 games of at least four earned runs last year, but still had a 325 ERA. 205 innings means that once again, in across the last five seasons, he's had at least 220 strikeouts. The only really exception, of course, is 2020. And even then, he almost had 100 of them on pace. Guess what? To go over 220 in that season. He had more strikeouts last year than Dylan Cease did Aaron Nola. And it should be a better than 11-13 record for the Phillies next season. I think a lot of people were skipping over this one. The low walk rate meant that he had that sub-1 whip. Sure, it shouldn't be maybe 3.6, but if it's like 5%, yeah, he should be hovering a 1 whip again, as I think he's allowing fewer hits uh, more effectively than before. It all works for Aaron Nola. It is, he is a stable arm to your rotation. I'm shocked that in the 12-team mock draft that we did um, back in October, I was able to get Aaron Nola in the fifth round, and he hovered that again in the mock that we did last week. Um, fifth, fourth round or so for Aaron Nola. The way I see it is Nola should be a guy you should be circling in your drafts. The way I've worked it out is about four starters, sorry, four hitters in a row, maybe five. But man, if Aaron Nola is there in the fifth round, uh, him and Carlos Rodon are the two that I'm just, I think are falling too far. Aaron Nola is on a lot of my teams, I would imagine, in 2023. Uh, Zach Wheeler... This is so difficult, and I lament about it, and I whine, and I complain, but that's the nature of what we do. 
in that Wheeler represents the hardest thing that baseball fans do, fantasy baseball fans do in the offseason, is they try to anticipate injury and they try and predict how many innings a guy will go in a season. The reason I've liked Sandy Alcantara and Zach Wheeler the past two seasons was that after 2020, when innings were dampened, right, we all expected 2021 to be having that effect of few guys allowed to go six plus every game. We're going to see a lot of guys go 170 innings, 180 is a new 200 and so on. Sandy Alcantara and Zach Wheeler were the two guys I circled that were not going inside the top 10 or 15 starting pitchers that could go over 200 innings with elite marks on their ratios and strikeout totals. They both did, and I loved them again for 2022. Zach Wheeler, however, only 153 innings last year, 282 ERA, 104 whip, 27% strikeout rate, 6% walk rate, 12 and 7 record. The skills are clearly still there as he pumps 90 miles, sorry, upper 90s. Sometimes I think he's hit 100. I don't know, it was like 99. Uh, sinker, the best in the game at O swing. Why? Because he only throws it to right handers and throws it off the plate. 52% O swing is insanity. Half of the time that Zach Wheeler throws a sinker, he gets a swing and it's off the plate. Unbelievable. Slider isn't actually a elite pitch, an elite pitch. It isn't, but it does enough. It's a good put away rate on it and it mixes it up from the two fastballs uh, of the four seamer, which gets a lot of whiffs, uh, 14% swing strike rate on that. And of course, the, the, the sinker that just generates outs all the time. Then you have the slider as a mix-up. You also have the curveball as a mix-up as well. This is good. This is excellent. But what are the innings going to be for Zach Wheeler? The beginning of the year, he had shoulder uh, inflammation, which we also saw from Zach Gallon. It was really one of those things that was just an impact of the, uh, the delayed start of the season. The lockout ended on March 10th, one of the greatest days ever. <laughs> and... Then he didn't really ramp up properly. They said, oh, he was a little bit behind at the end of March and so on and so forth. So it was Zach Allen and they had great seasons. Zach Wheeler also got COVID for once for a moment in May, but it really just pushed them back two days on that start. He was fine. But truly the problem was that he had a forearm injury in the middle of August. And that uh, that pushed them back. So he only had three more starts at the end of the year. It was four, five, six innings. He did not go over 80 pitches by the end of it, but he was productive because he's Zach Wheeler, 77 pitches, I believe, in that last game of the season. And then it came back a little bit in the playoffs. There was a lot of worry because he had diminished velocity um, in his first World Series game. The second one, he was great, but they pulled him well before 100 pitches. They should not have. I was screaming at the TV when they did. It's like Blake Snell 2.0. If you ask me, um, with Wheeler game pushed and everybody's kind of forgotten about it already. But no, it was Zach Wheeler getting pulled too early as a Blake Snell 2.0. My point is, we don't know the state of Zach Wheeler's health entering 2023. It could be something where he's going to just look totally normal in the spring. You're going to say, yeah, yeah, that forearm injury, don't worry about that. And I imagine he's going to go back up my draft boards and everybody else's. But it's not always about April and May. It's about July, August, September. And because I have that hesitation about how good Zach Wheeler's forearm is, I think I'm going to be pushing him down in my rankings, in my drafts, and really, I'm at a point. Shane McClanahan, Zach Wheeler, Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, they are getting shoved aside while I'm favoring possibly Aaron Nola and Sandy Alcantara and Carlos Rodon and Brandon Woodruff all ahead of them. Where Justin Verlander lies in that, I think, is above 
I the others I just mentioned, but or below the others I just mentioned, but above Wheeler, it's awfully close. You can do it any way you want. I'm not going to be upset at you, but I'm generally just going to say, look, injured guys, injure, higher injury risk. If I'm taking a starter this early in my draft, I don't want to put myself in harm's way. For the rest of the Phillies pitchers, there are some interesting options, and we're going to talk about all of those after this break. To get innings, which the Phillies desperately need out of their starting rotation, they lost Kyle Gibson and they traded who they traded for midway through the season. They got Tywin Walker, 12-5 and record last year, 157 innings, 249 ERA, 119 whip, 20% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate for the Mets. I do not buy this at all. His fastball velocity dropped a tick. He had more hard contact, about 30% hard contact on that four-seamer. Sinker had decent O-swing, 38%. He did use it against right-handers inside. I like to see that. Maybe Wheeler will really emphasize that for Walker, and that will change him. But the slider is far from the lead pitch. Uh, it was just a 54% uh, strike rate, uh, and his splitter had to do everything. Increase its usage on the splitter to 27%. I don't want to buy in on this splitter. Uh, I don't think it's an elite splitter. Sub-18% swing strike rate. I really don't want to go in on Walker thinking like, oh, no, the splitter is going to be so good and it's going to save him. Seems like a Toby to me. Seems like a uh, season regression, more like a 4-10 ERA and a 1-2-6 whip than the 349 and 119 he had last year. uh, The one benefit I will say is that, yeah, he will have games of like six six innings and one and run. He could have a good April, May that everyone's yelling me again for ranking Tywin Walker too low. I just don't see a consistent dominant pitcher. Sometimes he locates his fastball well enough and it works out for him. This is just not the kind of guy I want to go for. It's very Toby-esque and I do not draft it. Ranger Suarez is also in their 10-7 record last year, 155 innings, 3.65 ERA, which actually might surprise you if you rostered Ranger Suarez at the beginning of last year, 133 whip and a 20% K rate with a 9% walk rate. Yeah, his 136 ERA from 2021, oh boy, that was not going to stick around. Ranger Suarez actually went 433 ERA and a 146 whip first of three across the first three months of the year through June 29th. Imagine drafting Ranger Suarez and seeing that. However, as I mentioned, 365 ERA meant that he had a 295 ERA from June, July 1st through the end of the year, 121 whipped along with that, 20% K rate across 76 innings. This is something to be said about a lot of Tobies, and a lot of times that you see like, oh, the guy has a 370 ERA at the end of the year, I'll just go and draft that. Oftentimes, it's split up like this. 365 for Major Suarez, you had to sit her on your hands with a 433 ERA and a 146 whip. Half of the time, you could argue that the worst half of the season will be in the beginning. I know it's kind of a silly argument, but also it's it's not a, a high probability uh, that he'll be a 365 ERA through the entire year. Generally, it will be one half will be better than the other. So you hope that the early one isn't a four. And it's why I don't like to draft Tobies, especially guys like this, where very replaceable. Whip wasn't even that good in his good run, 121 whip. His stuff wasn't great. His location of his sinker down and away from right-handers is everything. <laughs> the changeup wasn't great. The cutter was all right. The slider was okay. Like, Ranger Suarez just doesn't do enough for me. He was the most reliable pitcher for the Phillies down the stretch, and I'm glad for him that he was able to do that. But yeah, you don't want to draft the Ranger Suarez. It's He's just not the kind of guy you go for in 12-teamers. The ceiling is not high enough 
um, where you just don't want to be, <laughs> you don't want to damage your back like that by squatting uh, and ducking through the entire season. Uh, Bailey Falter is the number five currently for the Phillies, or at least as of now. Uh, six and four record last year, 84 innings, 386 ERA, 121 whip, and a 21% K rate, only 5% walk rate. He's from the left side, he only throws about 91 on his four seamer and his slider. Sorry, and his sinker and his slider and curve are goodish. I uh, he only throws them 32% of the time. It, there is a chance that Falter becomes something legit if he throws his breaking balls about 45% combined, as opposed to the 30, 32% that he has now. While the fastballs are not enough, there are times that he elevates effectively can do the Blake Snell blueprint, but they just aren't that good. He was able to beat up on some weak teams. He did really well against the Pirates, for example. But Bailey Falter, to me, needs to do something more with his stuff, whether it's improving the fastballs, whether it's becoming more consistent with the breaking balls. I don't know what at this moment, but Falter isn't there yet. And I'm not drafting him. I could see myself in season streaming Bailey Falter, but that's about it. So deeper leagues, I think you don't really want to go for Falter. The Phillies might turn to another option, especially if he doesn't pan out early in the season. Um, and speaking of those options, the big one that everyone is going to talk about is Andrew Painter. Uh, I mean, double A last year, 28 innings, 254 ERA, 0.95 whip, 34% K rate. 2% walk rate. <laughs> High swing strike rate of 15%. He's just been carving up the minors uh, since he was drafted in 2021. And he sports elite velocity, a full four-pitch mix, good command, clearly good control, I should say, with such few amount of walks in 13 starts uh, in A-plus ball in, in AA last year. Yeah, there's a lot to like about Andrew Painter. And let's say Painter comes out guns a-blazing um, in in spring training, it would be hard to see the Phillies say no and say, nah, we're going to go with Bailey Falter instead. Uh, we're kind of getting to the point that I think teams are more aggressive bringing up their young stars um, at the beginning of the year, especially if they have a big need. And look, the, the NL East has the Mets in Atlanta. You need to win every single game you can. Andrew Painter could turn into something huge for the Phillies. I'm not going to rule it out. And I'm okay uh, taking a chance in a 12-teamer. On Andrew Painter and also uh, Brandon Fott um, with the Diamondbacks, kind of for the same reason. But I think Painter, Fott is more ready to go, while Painter makes more sense for the organization. But we'll see what happens. Maybe the Phillies have another uh, free agent, and you'll know at the end of this podcast if I've edited one in. <laughs> um, but keep your eye on Andrew Painter. The second that he gets the call, he's going to be the pickup everywhere. He's one of those guys that if you have an open spot, like in April or so, you just look at the wire and there's just no one exciting to go for. Just go and get Andrew Painter until you find something that actually can help you and do well for your team. Um, that's kind of how you should be treating Andrew Painter. And the last one I do want to mention, because the Phillies don't really have that fifth start, I don't think Bailey Falter is this locked-in hero for the, the Phillies at their number five. Matt Strong, before he went to free agency in the middle of last year, said, I want to be a starting pitcher in 2023. And the Phillies got him, and they don't really have a locked number five. I wonder if Matt Strom insists in spring training that they allow him to start, uh, and he could slide into that number five role. Is that a good thing? I don't know. He threw 94 miles per hour as a reliever last year. The slider and the curve were okay. I think he didn't locate them well. He didn't get enough whiffs because he 
floated them up or utilized the strike, uh, sorry, the slider more as a zone pitch as opposed to a put away pitch. But there's something there. 27% strikeout rate last year, again, for uh, for Matt Saram. I wonder what we'll see. Now, I'm not, let's say the, the Phillies say he's the number five right now. I'm not going off and getting Matt Saram. I'd still need to kind of see it and hope that things are working out. But I recognize that he could be starting games a decent amount for the Phillies, even out of the gate. Um, if Falter isn't impressing and Strom is. So just wanted to give him a note here, but I'm not going to be chasing it unless I see those breaking balls getting a ton of whiffs and that velocity sticking around 94 as he was as a reliever. But that's it for this episode of the Plus Pitch Podcast. Make sure you subscribe uh, and rate and review this podcast. And of course, go and get PL Plus and soon to be PL Pro. Enjoy PitchCon at the end of the month as well. But that's it. So my name is Nick Pollock. And may your babbits be low and your strikeouts high.